Good evening, friend. Welcome back to the front porch. My name is Dennis Rogers, and I'm joined by Michael Daniels. How's it going, Mike? Hey, Dennis. It's going pretty great. Pretty good. Pretty good. Pretty good. It's, it's summertime, and it's wonderful. It's been gorgeous, temperate here in uh, the studio land of southern Indiana. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, like we we sometimes most of the time in Indiana. Our typical springs are a week, maybe two weeks, and this one has <laughs> yeah. lasted uh, about almost two months. I am Generally frustratingly short springs. Yes. Our, we go straight into 95 degree summers, my, winters. My ideal range is like jacket or hoodie weather, hooded sweatshirt mm-hmm, weather, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. it's uh, frustratingly short, both, both spring and fall to me. Like, it goes straight into the tundra and then straight into fire swamp every year yeah every year but this year has been not that it's been really nice um and this morning it's was how it's been the last week it's been really cool where you wear jeans and a and a jacket in the morning but mm-hmm. then 85 80 to 85 been windy you know yeah which has been yeah. pretty great i don't nice uh, walks. i don't keep too close of tabs on that because i don't uh i don't go outside every day um, because I work at home, but uh, yeah, got my my yard work caught up mowing and all of that stuff. Um, did some grilling over the weekend. I know we. I feel like we talk about that whenever the weather right. is nice. Um, grilling is good. Have, my grill is in sad shape, all rusted I, out. I I seem to no, remember you the saying the inside that. is. Yeah. yeah, the insides are, but like the the outside is nice. I have a real hard time thinking about like. Why would I get rid of this thing? It's all the shell and everything else is in it is all real nice. It's just the innards. Gas grill? Yeah. I mean, yeah. you can uh you can get replacement burners and um and all of that which, stuff. Which which I might just do. I mean, depending. Cuz they're they're it's it cuz it's if I get another one it's going to be a smaller one cuz I really back in the day when I bought this I was so excited to buy a like a real grill. I bought mm-hmm. a five burner with the side <laughs> things on it. I mean, it's a big, huge thing and it's nice. It's super nice, but I don't, I don't need all that. Especially now that it's just sitting out here. Have, I mean, I cook for guests every once in a while, but have we talked about grilling the last couple weeks on the show? Not the last couple, not the last couple weeks. I know. Okay. I couldn't, I couldn't remember because your, like, apparently over Memorial weekend, uh, my brother-in-law, he smoked brisket on Saturday and, uh, did some other grilling uh, on Friday and maybe maybe early Sunday. Oh well, yeah, Sunday because yeah, we had we see if I bought a small grill, I could buy, I could put a little smoker in its place, so like and half the size of a grill and put a smoker there. Yeah, yeah. I um so I apparently shared this anecdote with him like three times over the weekend, so I wanted to make sure that I hadn't talked about it on the show before. <laughs> um, I've discovered what I think is the secret ingredient to grilling uh um with with excellent results yeah okay have you ever heard of are you talking about steak meat is that what you're talking about here? uh particularly chicken i've not had a chance oh, to try okay. this with other meats yet but um you know obviously one of the maybe not obviously but one of the best ways to make chicken is an is a whole chicken with a beer can yep but can um have you ever heard of something called sous vide nope it's french that S- sounds french to me yeah <laughs> S- s-o-u-s 
uh, V-I-D-E. We in Indiana, we don't use no French <laughs> stuff unless it's fries. So imagine if you are, let's see, what's the simplest way to explain this? Imagine you put food in a plastic bag mm-hmm. and you and you put it in a pot full of, like, water as hot as the tap will get. Okay. Okay. Uh, okay. The way that the way this works is you buy a a device. I think they call it a wand. It's about the size of an immersion blender, right? Like a hand blender. Okay. If you can picture that, and it clamps yeah. onto the side, and you set temperature and time, and then it sort of like circulates the water through itself to like stir the water in the container. So you're boiling chicken. You are, but the chicken is in plastic, so. None of the water gets into the chicken, and none of the juices get out. Oh, that's that's actually really great. That's the problem with boiling. Anything. Exactly, exactly. Okay. Um, and it was all really good. Of course, the chicken is still completely moist because there's no, none of the juices are lost. And so, you pre-cook the chicken in sous vide, and then, and then I took it out on the grill and grilled it just to give it a little char, a little sear on the mm-hmm. on the skin i'm not sure that's actually grilling though i, I mean i right the grilling I, I wouldn't call the gr- and so that's what i mean like what people say people cook steak this way but then take it out and put it on a skillet or something to to sear it because i mean it doesn't really matter with chicken but with red meat um the meat's going to come out just gray right because it's been slow mm-hmm. sort of slow cooked right um at a at a lower temperature and so you want that you want that uh whatever caramelization and and whatever on the I mean I've I've cooked I've cooked steak in a um like a cast iron skillet in the oven mm-hmm. and then taken it out and put it on the grill before and I I'm still I don't think I don't consider that necessarily grilling but I'll tell you it was fantastic it comes out great when you can you know cook it that way and then just sear that on the outsides yeah so whether it's technically grilling or not because you're just kind of faux grilling the outside it does work and it has a great taste to it yeah Um, oh it sounds delicious i have not grilled out this year and it's because it makes me sad walking out there and thinking (laughs) oh but you know now that i'm talking to you about it maybe i will go and actually just instead of like trying to fix the parts on it everything just go and take all the inside out Mm. and just get all new just stuff because you can sure. go even to walmart and get burner parts um yeah and get it to fit in there so i may i may just just decide you know what if i'll get it and try to put you know parts in there and if it doesn't work then i'll consider that a sign to buy a new grill right, right. on yeah oh so um yeah i need to say i need to, to to do that did you get a chance to um I want to. I want to catch you one week. Did you get a chance to watch our uh, challenge this week? Uh, yeah, I did. Ah, oh, darn it! See, I was hoping this is kind of a short <laughs> weeklyish odd. Uh, you forget? No, all right. Well, I'm excited about this one. Yep. Let's yep. let's go ahead and do our challenge real quick. So this week's challenge is the uh, 1986 Rob Reiner. Uh, Stephen King adaptation, Stand By Me. Stephen King feels right. It's it's weird that it, 
it's Stephen King. You want to say it's a horror? Right. Horror, it's but, uh, you know, but it's not really. This is this is based on a short story, I believe, called The Body. Um, they changed the title because th- the body had too many other implications. Mm-hmm. It sounded like a thriller or perhaps an adult film. Um, it's from the same collection of short stories as uh, Shawshank. Oh, okay. So it's well, just it's just a short story, and I, I would almost say it feels like they built more story around the Shawshank story, where this movie, there's really not a lot of story at all. It's it's more yeah. it's more like we always say about Lord of the Rings. It's just like we did this these things and these things yep. happened to us. Right. And it's 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 a snapshot in the life of these kids. Mm-hmm. Right? So you had not seen this one before, right? Nope. Okay, so what's your general impression? How do you feel about it? Um I enjoyed it. Uh there were things that I laughed at. I watched it with uh my sister and my parents, I think my parents were put off by all the kids swearing, which is, <laughs> of course, not surprising. Wait, which sister? Your younger sister or Sarah? Sarah, my older sister. Okay. Um, because it, like, cause there's difference in age there, whether, you know, I don't one's know if, closer to the age of the, the kids. I don't know if my youngest sister watched this with us. I don't remember. Um, okay. But, uh, yeah, I... Uh, if you'll recall from last week, I was under the impression that one of the main characters in this movie dies. Uh, so you ha- you there's a couple of times where that could have been close. You're like, oh, here it comes. Right? Yeah, it's like, oh, is somebody gonna drown? Is somebody? And when we saw the train on the bridge scene, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I remembered having seen a clip of it in film appreciation or something. Um, right. And so I knew. I mean, the clip would have ended right when they jumped off of the bridge. So. It's right. still uncertain, but um, yeah, like I was, I was prepared. <laughs> I was sort of <laughs> mentally prepared for one or two of those kids to, uh, to to not, to you know to get hit by that train or to fall <laughs> right. off the. Thing. Well, that's good. It gave you suspense, like real suspense. Yeah. Then, yeah, instead of assuming it's just like, oh, it's a '80s kid show. It's not going to be like that. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, and so that that gives you even more suspense all the way to the end when. Like he comes, uh, Kiefer Sutherland comes after him with a knife, and right, yeah, you're like, oh man, oh man, you know, yeah. So I can, I can, I, I will say that as a kid watching this, about that age, maybe a little bit older, mm-hmm. um, it was, it was good because it was so relatable, but it was also kind of real, I guess. But it felt real because there were so many real things with knives and guns and. Yeah, you and know. the the conversations between um, Gordy and Chris, Will Wheaton and River Phoenix. Yeah. So yeah, you, you're not just having like lighthearted thirteen year old kid stuff here. It's like real. You yeah, know, it's it's thirteen year old kids dad. who are clearly dealing with some stuff. But but real kind of stuff. I mean, yeah. common things, common things that 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 aren't just like oh, every once in a while there's this one kid that like, yeah, a lot of kids have parents that aren't great. In know, like a lot in the late fifties, you're dealing with, um, well these these kids would be baby boomers, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, yeah, fifties. Um, you know the the one uh, 
the Corey Feldman character his has trouble with his dad. His dad clearly has PTSD or something. Yeah, right, right. We know that now. That kind of stuff, but didn't they, even back right. then they didn't have the, a name they for it. Would have called it shell shock, or even if if it was even diagnosed and he wasn't yeah. just you know thrown in a, a in asylum. Right, and I think he was. But they mentioned him being like in the crazy house and stuff. So. Yeah, yeah. He stormed, yeah, the, he stormed the beach at Normandy. Right, and we we stormed the beach in Normandy, and and we like you know the the kid uh, Nor is it Norman? I can't remember this kid's the kid's name. It's uh, Jerry O'Connell, like Vern. There's Vern. Yeah, the Vern. There's, <laughs> there's he has an old man's name. That's it. Vern. That's what it was. Yeah, yeah you know, the heavy set kids, things like that. Everything's mm-hmm. there's some kind of relatable things in almost all these kids. One of those you could pretty much is it was the gamut of kids at least. For white kids, you know, sure. young white kids, it was it was very much. Are you a kind of a hood, or you have hood friends, or are you a kind of a nerdy kid? Are you a misfit, or are you a outcast? You know, mm-hmm. so th- those all they fit all four. But also, as a thirteen-year-old kid, you kind of have you still have friends that don't fit your social circle because they're in your neighborhood type thing, right? So, you know, you can still hang out with things until you get into like high school and it becomes, oh, I can't hang out with that kid anymore because of X, Y, or Z. Well, yeah. I mean, that's the, that's the line Richard Dreyfuss, uh, delivers at the end. Um, you know, never, never had any friends after like the ones I had when I was 12. Like, does anybody, because you hit 13 and it's just like they said, you know, Will Wheaton's character was smarter than the other three and um you know all the different all the different issues you start to come of age starting at 13 for boys anyway and for girls too and so yeah your paths start to diverge for me i uh grew up um until i was 12 we lived in a kind of quiet neighborhood on a lake with a lot of retirees Mm-hmm. Um, and so I never had any of this, like I had friends, but mm-hmm. not like in our neighborhood, right. They were friends right. from church or kids of my parents' friends. Um, sure. But you I know, def- see, I, I definitely had a lot of friends like this where we yeah. would go and, and we would go off for the day. And granted, this takes place in the fifties, but even, you know, in the eighties, I could, go for a mile was, around yeah it was still bikes through town, it was still pretty you know? common and i definitely did do that kind of stuff you know i had a friend he you know he and i would go or you know a couple other he had a couple friends and the four of us and his little brother his little brother was like the Vern of the group it's like come on wait <laughs> right. up the tag along um, the tag along uh and so there was there was a fair amount of that 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 did uh that did resonate uh for right. me so, so the do you have a favorite scene? Because this show, this movie has a lot of scenes. Like you said, it's just it's not really a story. It's just things happen. Things happen. So there are these scenes, and each one is. And as I watch it, it's great for me watching this again because I get to go through and see the scenes. Oh, this is that scene. That is that <laughs> scene. And at one point, I had linked a a scene to our our uh, friend group, and that's the same kind of a thing. Like, oh, here's this scene says something right did you you have one that you particularly liked in this one 
That's hard to say. Um, I like the conversation that uh, Will Wheaton and River Phoenix have where, um, you know, they're talking about the future and he's like, am mm-hmm. I weird? And he's like, yeah, but who cares? Everybody's weird. Yeah. Uh, that's, you know, a lot of that good. kind of, kind of, uh, I don't want to say existential, but just like a, a little bit existential. Yeah, I mean, in that scene, doesn't that they also kind of turn around and Chris, um, River Phoenix, he he gets all upset about himself too, right? Like he thinks he's never going anywhere, never doing mm-hmm. anything, which is, I mean, that's, again, that's a lot of this show is boys. It's when you're that age, you do have these real kind of things and you do confide in people every once in a while, but most of the time you're just boys being boys, as you say. Yeah, you just, and then you, every once in a while you have that moment. You're just, uh, you know defense mechanism uh right kind of stuff i mean there, there was a lot that there's a lot that i liked like scenes like obviously the for me the classic when i still remember when i think of stand by me i always think of the train scene you know yeah i, I mean have, you, i have you, walked on the railroad tracks the, and i the, know there were memorable scenes that i wouldn't i wouldn't call those scenes that i liked because they're mm. you know in that scene i can't decide whether to be nervous about the height or nervous <laughs> about the train uh, because right. I, you know, I have acrophobia. I'm afraid of heights. Oh, um, that. Well, the walking on the tracks I, always reminds me of uh, of going to tailgates in Bloomington. Oh yeah. Uh, because when our buddy Zahn and I lived in the same neighborhood where Pete lives now, we could go up. Um, this is very specific and totally boring <laughs> to the, our listeners, but uh, we would go up Rogers and down behind Upland onto the tracks. <laughs> Mm-hmm. that that the road goes over there yep and then just and walk on those and go down to whatever that is indiana or done um to come out by the stadium right for the tailgates yeah. it's yeah, the they, most direct they, there's no traffic on the train tracks right. nope nope can't do it now by the way on those if you're in Israel, i'm bloomington listening because they're all the tra- the train track companies whatever had come back and through and put super fences up everywhere so sweet yeah, there. I mean, I'm, there might be people clipping into them, but for the most part, they're they're they've they've been hardcore on it. Um, the I walked on train tracks a lot as a kid. I really did. I mean, I'm from Terre Haute, Indiana, which is the crossroads of America with trains. Mm. Um, there's so yeah, many I, trains. I definitely did too. And we done, you know yeah. put pennies on the and, track and all that. Stuff. Oh yeah, all that. And then and then we would. Uh, but there were times when I would walk out in the country with friends and we would go out there along the road tracks and you come to a trestle and that's where what they were like you know going mm-hmm. across these huge valleys and it wasn't always water or river it was sometimes just a huge valley that it would go across and it was sometimes a miles and i'd we'd always have that like man i want to walk across there i don't want to walk across this huge river or, the, or get across this river but i want to go to the other side right mm-hmm. but then you're just terrified there's not been trains forever but and so watching this show and that scene really, really reminds me of those things that like, that is exactly why I never would because there's nothing. Yeah. And as, as, the, as that, that train comes closer and those kids, I'm like, what would I do? There's nothing you can do. There's, you know, you jump off the side and. I yeah. read that uh, they shot that with a telephoto lens, right? So like when we watched um, Vertigo, we talked about the dolly zoom. Yep. Which is this effect of if you have a telephoto lens or what some people call a zoom lens, 
zoom means that it moves, but yeah. whatever, nobody but photographers care about that. Um, a, a telephoto lens is like binoculars, right? It brings something closer, but it also has the effect of bringing things closer to each other. If that oh, makes I sense, see. it's hard to describe right. without right. visual uh, so they just really examples. slowly zoomed it. Type did that well, they, zoom? they. I don't think they really zoomed it, but they set it up with like the camera far away, zoomed in on them, so that the train looks closer. Oh, okay, right. Yeah, I mean, it, it was clearly camera tricks, and that was awesome how they did it. <laughs> right, it was right. Very riveting. Um, so yeah, that that was something that I really really enjoyed. Um, memorable was the leeches scene. Not that it's good. Chopper yeah, is a great no, one. No, no, no. Um, the the yeah. chopper the chopper scene was was pretty good pretty funny uh, and you know it's a little bit like that's big character development for um the Corey Feldman character mm-hmm, mm-hmm. uh the yeah I was not into the leeches scene at all when I was uh, <laughs> I just remembered as a kid and thinking oh my god oh my god that yeah age, when I when god. I was eleven and twelve um I went to the Boundary Waters which is a string of lakes and rivers on the border between Minnesota and Canada. Mm-hmm. Uh, with my dad and his friend and his son, who was one of my friends. Um, and there were leeches in that water. Nothing mm-hmm. like the ones in the movie are gigantic. Right. Um, you know, the ones in real life are more like, you know, the size of a dragonfly maybe or something. Yeah, right. But they're still like ve- very panic inducing. <laughs> right. uh, even before you get to that whole thing with, the blood at the end of that yeah. scene. I was like, what the heck uh, uh-huh. is Get him off, get him off, get him off. Yeah. The, uh, so, so the, those were, you know, key scenes, but, but mm-hmm. ones that I, I, I guess personally that I liked, I, I did, I liked the scenes with the boys and the bonding. I mean, even when they're yeah. walking on the track, singing the song, um, and there's, you're just doing stuff together. And I really enjoyed the, the, um, that's the big scene. Why well, I can't remember what they, the little limerick they say now. It's back. Um, you know, he says, you go, your mom, mama goes around the corner and licks it up. And it's the, the mama joke type thing. Mm-hmm. And he says, we, you know, it was a, it was a thing we always did as, as boys to, to make fun, the worst fun of each other's moms. It was just right. a, a, a camaraderie type thing. And our friends still do that kind of a stuff. Yeah, stupid it, stuff. It comes, it goes, uh, you know, I, my friends mm-hmm. and I did it a lot in college, made, you know, made those jokes a lot in college, mm-hmm. but in a, like, in a way where it almost never applied. Um, right. Like the, the most lame way that our friends do it now was how uh, we did it in college. And then like <laughs> right. in the last year or so, like it's had a renaissance in our friends group where it's always like, you know, any, anything you can, uh, you can, you can put together. It's like if, well, well and, you, if any of our listeners you... listen to our other show, Klingons and Dragons, you get a, exactly what we talk about well as dennis was saying like you know they use the the lens to zoom in i was my first reaction was like i zoomed in on your mom (laughs) stupid stuff like that i mean just in now yeah so anyway that's that's the point is that the you know the boys were boys but Mm -hmm. it's still a bonding thing and you know at one point one guy will be the focus of kind of being a jerk or you're getting fed up and then everybody gangs on him and the next it'll be somebody else um, so I, I really enjoy, I really enjoyed this show for that. And it did have, uh, a, an interesting ending just like the show itself does. It does do the, here they are, what happened to them in the future, but mm-hmm. it's not just like the show. It's not all rosy. 
No. You know, you have a good ending with Chris and that like he does escape to town and he becomes a lawyer and then gets shot randomly in a fast food joint. Yeah. You know, you're like, oh, that's that's just, you know, you think it's going to be a cliche kind of finale. And then he gives you this. Oh, OK. That's well, kind of real. It <laughs> is Stephen King. Right. It is. Exactly. The, the most the most Stephen King uh, uh, aspect of this movie is that weird pie eating contest. That was weird, right? I forgot my, about my that family. Scene. Were yeah. like, "What the heck?" I'm like, "Yeah, well, that's <laughs> the kind of story a 12 year old boy would write, would make up, <laughs> right?" And he barfed. And he barfed on this guy and barfed. I'm like, "God, this is really well written, Stephen, yeah. for yeah. you know <laughs> remembering this kind of stuff." And then they just kept going at it, and that's what they really would have. Um, it's Gordy, right? It's Gordy Lachance. Is that his name? Mm-hmm. Uh, he. They're like uh, they eat it up. They can't. To say a phrase, they love that story. They're like, that's the kind of stories he tells, and that makes them all super excited, and they want to hear more of that kind of stuff. And is that the uh, is that is that Gordy Lachance character? Is he an example of a Mary Sue? I forget what Mary Sue. Okay, well, I was I was sort of hoping you would you would clarify for me because there's a there's a trope. These are called tropes now. Uh, right. There's a trope of the audience insertion character like um bella from the twilight series right just like this super generic like she has no personality except that she's kind of pretty um that's clearly for the reader to imagine themselves in that in that role and then there's a trope of the uh, the author writing themselves into a story but not literally like they're they have an analog of some kind and the Gordy the chance character feels like the Stephen King analog. Okay. Wait, right, cause he's a right. He becomes a writer. Yes. You know, I think Mary Sue got its origin in star Trek. If I'm not mistaken. Hmm. Um, I'm trying to think I, if I remember correctly, it's, it's someone who's perfect, right? They just have no flaws and which makes them kind of boring. That's what a Mary Sue is. Okay. Then not it's... because, not because they're, and they're usually female and it's right. not because they're like strong or they've overcome things or whatever. It's just that they're, they have no flaws. They are, they're Superman. They're okay. boring this that way. says Mary Sue is a term used to describe a fictional character, usually female okay. who is seen as too perfect and almost boring for lack of flaws originally written as an idealized version of an author in fan fiction. Yeah. Right. N- nothing yeah. Is... And, and I've seen that in like person. like nefarious. It's sort of a um, it's sort of a derogatory term. Um, so I guess sort of neither neither example that I used are really covered by by no. this Mary Sue. Like I think I think Lachance definitely has flaws. He has insecurities with his family. And yeah, I just mean in the and... sense that it feels like if this is a story where Stephen King took like. Apparently, the leeches scene was something that actually happened to him. If he took oh, elements of his life and stuff that happened to him or stuff that he heard about or stuff that he imagined, because he's Stephen King, um, right. the Gordy Lachance character is the closest to, like, him as a 12-year-old, you know, who, who right. you know, grew up to be coming off. Man, I, w- I, wonder not, I wonder if they could do a Stand By Me now. Like, I don't want to... I'm not asking for Stand By Me 2, mm-hmm. but, like... 
I was just thinking like I could write a story in the same kind of way of my childhood because there were several just moments, you know, I could at least get a dozen where we had these little short little adventures in our area and that would be the same kind of thing and have Richard Dreyfuss do the voice. <laughs> I, I, I mean, mean, there are there are a fair number of not necessarily movies, although I'm sure those exist too, but um, there are a number of TV shows that are just just like stuff happens right um right madman is sort of like that mm -hmm. right it starts out being like oh man look how crazy the early 60s were and advertising and don draper and look how much everybody smoked and drank and <laughs> philandered but right over time it's just like these people's lives and these things that they do it's probably more common in television than in movies because of course in a movie you've got two hours and you're going to yeah. tell a story or not right and it's harder to show you can just episodic it and the next thing happens. yeah and it just it just runs on forever and so yeah eventually it's just stuff happening there is no well not always but there's very often no like big dramatic conclusion I mean, um, honestly, that's that's what that's the premise that everybody thought. Say, he said he was a genius for Jerry Seinfeld, like his show. He said, "Oh, it's about nothing." Right. That was his. Thing. I mean, it's the same thing. It's just things happen. It's your. It's these people's lives and things happen. Um. I mean, it, that's a I'm comedy. I think of. But. I'm trying to think of other movies that are like this. Um, I can't think of very many. But no, they're they're definitely the exception. Um. Usually, even if they are a kind of mundane, more more real life story, there's still some like some big event. Like I'm thinking of uh, a perfect storm, but mm -hmm. it's still like it just has a sad ending. Um, right, man. I I I almost forgot that movie. <laughs> Mercifully, uh, it's, okay. So yeah, because it's because it's hard to do well. Right, it is. this this movie but does. Just, just have you have to have Richard Dreyfus do the voice. That's what <laughs> made the difference. You, you get you you take some source material written by Stephen King. You get Rob Reiner. Uh, you <laughs> you get uh, you know four very good child actors. Um, and uh, I mean, really, honestly, in every movie, you can say what you will about the guy. During that time, Corey Feldman was great. Like he was just one heck of a good little actor. He may have been, mm -hmm. he may have been basically the same guy, but it was he was fun to watch and all of the stuff. I mean, he did iconic things like mouth, and then this guy here, and, mm -hmm. and you're just like, wow, yeah. No one else you could put an, any other kid in that spot, and it would be fit the same way. <laughs> right. So, I, and that's why Corey Feldman and Haim were so such big. Things. I feel I feel that way about Ron Howard. Um, with Opie, yeah like my family once in a while if we can't agree on anything to watch we'll just pull up a random episode of the andy griffith show and <laughs> like i'll see him deliver some lines and i'm like i mean yeah he's he's acting like a kid acting but then yeah. every every so often in an episode they'll have another kid and you see the other kid act and you're like oh wow ron howard is actually really really good at this <laughs> right <laughs> gee paul that's it right yeah it's that... like just whatever it was and he's 
because he's playing the age that he is. You know, yeah, right. Now he's the kid he is. Everybody, generally, you know, young characters are played at least a couple years older than the actual. You know, they didn't get actual teenagers to be in Glee. They got a bunch of like twenty-six-year-olds. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they do do that nowadays, don't they? And they make yeah. the, you, the actors are much older, which is a weird kind of thing. I mean, the Game of Thrones kids were older than in the books, but they were still kids. Yeah, right? and the, the characters were made older than they were in the books because you can't have uh, a character who's under 18 having sex in a TV show. Right. Um, but you, but you have you, but there's still like Arya was in real life 12 playing a 12 year old person mm, right so that i mean that's 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 the exception it's not always like that a lot of times they are almost always older playing younger especially yeah. teenagers because it's just easier it's easier for someone to act a couple years younger especially if they are blessed with the right genetics to look a little bit younger um, right. than it is to find a 17 year old that can act Right, but the, the, that that comes to bite them in the butt if they're successful and they do like sequels. For example, the um, High School Musical movies. My uh, oldest mm. daughter used to love those things back when they were on, and when they recorded it, those kids, Zac Efron and stuff, was like where they were like twenty one, twenty two, playing sixteen year olds. So when they did High School Musical two and three, these kids were like twenty six, and they can you can tell they're not, you know, when he's got stubble happening. Right. Yeah, and you're like it's you know, okay. You're you can't pass anymore for for your high school kid anymore. Did we talk about Kiefer Sutherland in this movie? We we really didn't. But and his like Ace. he's he's clearly an '80s punk in this oh, yeah. uh, 1959. Oh right, uh, yeah, he setting. is. Yeah. He's he's <laughs> just his channeling his vampire movie one that he did. What is that movie? I'm trying to think of. Uh, uh, don't know that not interview he he wasn't in interview with a vampire was he uh no no No. he was not in there that was val Um, kilmer that was that's right right. they're very you know close to the same but uh no (laughs) Kiefer, they really are he um oh my god it's driving me nuts someone i I know out there is screaming at the uh the thing lost boys standing at a computer lost boys Lost Boys. I never saw that, so I don't. Yeah, I, I I would guess that that would be one that your parents would have nothing for you to even see by. It. Right, right. But he did he did Stand by Me in '86, and the Lost Boys was '87. So they're the they're the same character he plays mm. in both of those things. Only he's a vampire in Lost Boys, but he's still the '80s punk. So he evidently he he knew what he was playing the same character that way. Right, right. Well, he did. I, I was I'm checking his little filmography here. He, he did Stand by Me. The next year he did The Lost Boys, which was a big thing. Mm-hmm. And then the year after that he did Young Guns. That dude was on fire in the late eighties. Young Guns, also with Val Kilmer. No, Emilio Estevez. Emilio Man, Estevez. I'm I'm mixing up my my eighties. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what like. Guys that were thirty in the eighties, right? You know that this is the. There's so many Mighty things Ducks. that Will Wheaton is known for with Star Trek, and he's forever identified with that, and he's embraced it right. and happy with it. Uh, but like seriously, he did Stand by Me for Pete's sakes. He was the yeah. the lead in Stand by Me. How does he not get credit for that? Yet he's always like, "Oh, Wesley, shut up, Wesley." 
<laughs> if I ever met the dude, I'd say, you know, I'd give him a lot of props for the great stuff he's done. But Stand By Me would be like, hey, when I was a kid, all the Wesley stuff, Stand By Me was the was the show. And you were you were good in that. So I'd give him that kind of a, right. a, a reminiscent props. He um, seems like a cool guy. He did, I, I mean, watched he, he his like uh, I watched his board game show for a while. Yeah, I haven't. Why did I stop watching that? I think that because I enjoyed I enjoyed the idea of it. He's he's a solid dude. He was he he has good kind it's, of reviews. And it's talks, like most he, geek and sundry stuff. It's very like the production value is very high. Yeah, but he seemed after a while, it seemed like he was stuck on these kind of you know splendor games. Mm. You know what I mean? They they weren't too in depth. They were. I mean, just, he talked about that in one episode or interview or something like there are certain kinds of games that lend themselves better to the format of a show he's doing like he would never do a two-player card game right because nothing nothing interesting happens right you just watch a couple of guys thinking really hard it's not even like people watch uh streamers play hearthstone but that's because a streamer can talk about what they're doing and explain their decisions and you see their hand. Right. You can't really do that in, uh, in person. Yeah. And, and you're right. He, part of that show was always that, um, you know, he's interacting with the, the people and they're interacting with everybody. And that, right. that's and it's, the, the part. And it's edited down very, you know, so that the episodes are only like half hour, 40 minutes, even if, they're playing a game that took an hour and a half or two. Right. And I think there was also a point where the, he started getting like semi celebrity people on there and it became very much like, okay, they're not actually, this is the exception that they're doing to came out, come out here. They come out here because their agent had them. <laughs> right. Right. Not because he, they're like, Hey, I play Catan. I love that. You know, and then, I forget what game it was, but he had Karen Gillan on there who was, I you know, that. Nebula. And it was obvious that, she had maybe never played a board game in her life. Right. Right. And Which that is makes fine. Like, like she's an actress. She's very good actress. Yeah. It's not her, uh, uh, forte, but uh, right. And, but, and that's, that, they just, that kind of stuff made me like, uh, kind of, I enjoyed it because it was people playing, you know, board game. And here is this semi famous kind of guy. And he has such a passion for it. I really enjoyed that hook. Yeah. Um, and then he, you know, he's bringing non, professional yeah it's kind of like this feels like pandering type thing but hmm. anyway that's why i hadn't watched that maybe i'll go back and watch see his library and catalog now and see if he's got some other good ones on there um if he's still doing them all right so let's uh let's get back to yeah sure stand uh, by me uh stand by me final judgments um, yeah, you go for this one because clearly for me this is a watch again and again thing but i'm um, really curious about what you think of this movie I mean, because I mean, this is I was a, in the age. this is a specific kind of movie for more or less a specific audience. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, now, that audience I do is, agree with that is is numer- uh, numerous, vast. There are a lot of people in that audience. Yeah. Um, I would say. I mean, if you're really, really critical you know, look at some like spoiler free review of what this movie is and what it's about. And if that doesn't appeal to you, uh, you can pass on it. You're not missing anything significant in the history of film. Mm-hmm. Um, and if it does, then you should watch it. And if, and if you'd like it, which is 
such an elaborate way for me to say this. Um, if you <laughs> so like it, you should it watch like it as many times as you want. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of leaving it up to uh, the viewer because... Well, that's this, not helpful. <laughs> if this concept, if a, if a story about three, four, about four 12-year-old boys who are friends going on a very real-life adventure, there's no... Nothing, nothing crazy happens. Um, I mean, I think it's in the synopsis that they go looking for a dead body. Mm -hmm. Um, and just the stuff that happens to them along the way. Um, if that seems appealing to you, then you should watch this and you'll probably like it. And then you can watch it. You know, it'll be a good movie. If it yeah. doesn't appeal to you, then you can pass on it. So that's sort of what I'm what I'm saying. Like, <laughs> you're I so don't have you're so in the middle. I got to call you out of this because you're like, if you like movies that was like this, then you'll like this. If you don't like movies that are like this, you won't like this. Like that's every this, movie in history. Uh, some that's not, true. But, but not all movies are transparent about what they are. Right. Um, sure. You know, if you go if you go to see Cinderella Man expecting to see Rocky, you're going to be. Dis well, I can't imagine anybody watching Cinderella Man and being disappointed, but it's a different it's a different kind of movie. This is a simple, straightforward, like slice of life story about these four boys. If you're, you know, of a different ethnicity or I don't know, I'm not gonna say that most women would not enjoy this because that's super generalizing. Um it's and so that's again back to what I said. Well, I, I think I think I mean I, I'll straight say because I think that it's okay. the, the truth of the matter. I think that it, this is a movie that that resonates with with uh, white males, and that because it's about young white males in a in middle ish America. And that's it, sort of if, what I'm trying to say, right? If like you, if, if 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 that you seems have interesting those to life you, experiences you will. That will definitely resonate with you, and that will be something that you will watch, and you will say, oh, it reminds me, and that will bring you in, because it's such a good movie for that. Now, if you're not, this is just not going to identify with you at all. I would, I watch movies that I can understand other things, but I don't really understand it. So right. it doesn't resonate with me. So and I so wouldn't watch that's, that. That's all I mean. Like, uh, two weeks ago, we watched um, City of God. And mm -hmm. I assume that most of the people watching that movie are not people who grew up in a favela in South America. Um, right. But that's not what the movie is for, right? That's that's not yeah, who that's it, to learn about the people e who grew up exactly. In favelas, right? This is a story for this group, and if and if you hear that premise that you just described, right? Um, and it doesn't appeal to you, you can pass on this. There's not. I don't. Yeah, you're, you're not going to learn think there's anything enough about to it to call about, it a bucket right. list movie. So that's what I say. It's either right. it's either a good movie or a movie you can pass based on. That's that's know, very true, and I and I think who that you are and how you feel a, about the premise. It is a bucket list movie if you're in that demographic, because then it you know if it res if that's the kind of thing that like you said if it's if it's if it resonates with you then you, you love it. Because I do agree with that. I think that, that if it's if you had a background like these kids, which are very broad, it's a very broad kind of – I mentioned earlier on that in the discussion is that they have four people that are very kind of genres of kids in, in high school and middle America. So 
you're going to probably fit in this kind of thing to relate to if you are of this demographic. So you, it belongs on a bucket list if you're that. Otherwise, Dennis is very right that if you're not going to learn anything about white young white boys in middle America, <laughs> you're not going to learn anything different than it's not been rehashed a million times and other kind of things. Sure. So, so yeah, and that, that would be, yeah, I don't really care about this. And I could see that for sure. Um, so, yeah. Hey, so moving along with that, what is next week's? Do we have a fun one, sad one, depressing one, happy one? Okay, I want to I wanna jump the queue here because I did the opposite of what you did last week and missed the movie. I've already seen yesterday a movie on our list. And so I want to jump ahead to Back to the Future. Okay. That was an unintentional sort of time travel pun. But uh, oh, I see. Okay, well, that's funny because I also watched a movie that's on our list. But I think I like to watch it again later in the future, anyway. So let's watch Back to the Future. I'm good with that. What, I love. Uh, it. I like Back to the Future. What movie did you watch? I watched Goonies. Goonies is that on our list? I, it's, it's not. I'm taking another movie off and putting it on. <laughs> I mean, for real. I um, mean, we already saw Stand by Me. Oh, it's not the same at all. I mean. No, it's not the same at all. I mean, it's, it has very same things. Yes, it's got Corey Feldman in it, but Okay, no. Goonies is on here. Well, okay. then uh, maybe this week I'll find time uh, to watch Goonies and we can talk about both. Oh, man, we'll just, that sounds... We'll just go on, like... a, on a summer streak of watching uh, movies from the 80s. Oh man, uh, that that feels like it's not going to give them justice, but I'm I'm okay with it because I <laughs> these are great movies. I mean, for for me, these were my childhood movies. Yeah. So watching those three right there just is already bringing a wash of memories back. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, what else have we got here? I mean, if you if you had me watch Rocky and then the Terminator, I would be like, oh yeah, those go together. You know, at the same time. Mm. Mm -hmm. okay so wow we're gonna watch two double feature okay cool well maybe we'll at least talk about back to the future and we'll see if i have time depending on when we record because it's already wednesday Uh, hopefully back on our our whole groove is thrown off by the summer back on our normal schedule we'll get get back to sun for a week and then i go to so uh did you guys were we're recording after tuesday night games so i get to Mm -hmm. ask uh, did you guys play that new Lord of the Rings game that I? Oh, we did. So our our Jonesing uh, for. Yeah, so ca- catching up. Uh, we've not really talked about our Tuesday group uh, in a while. Um, for those who are new, uh, I play with my friends every Tuesday. We play board games. They're usually long form board games and, and yeah, campaign or legacy games. You guys campaign were doing or legacy. Gloom, De- Dennis was part of this group before he moved away. He also did right. this kind of stuff involved, and it's all of our same friends together. So it's it's something that I recognize and feel it's a big awesome part of my life because I have good friends to do this awesome thing, and we're all very dedicated that Tuesday is a thing. Um, and so what we we had been playing Gloomhaven for like the last year, I want to say, um, yeah. and now, and now we basically nothing wrong with that game. We basically burnt out on it, and it, it meanders. Doesn't have really a goal. I feel like we say. talked about that a couple of weeks yeah. ago. Yeah, yeah. So so we we decided that this is a um, mostly I'd say ninety percent of us were like okay, let's move on to something else. And the 
other group had been thinking about it for a while. And then this this game called uh, Lord of the Rings Journeys in Middle Earth uh, came out. And I, I it might have even been you that, that posted it. Um, and it I just think Trotsky be- did. It really was. Okay. And then it, it became like, oh, yeah, let's let's try this kind of a thing. Um, and then we, we jumped on it. Now, the other group is not playing that. It actually also worked out because uh, our friend Justin has been wanting to play the Scythe campaign for a long time and has kind of always been putting it the bug in everybody's ear. So the since we have, I think it's, what is it, nine people that play every week? Okay. It, our Dep- groups depending are... Depending on whether Aaron is in town? No, that's Yeah, it's, then it's... Then it's four and four, and then it's just eight. Eight, right. Um, but the um, – so he had been wanting to, to get that. So Lord of the Rings plays four – or plays five. And then um, they decided to get together and play that, the Scythe campaign. So they're playing the Scythe campaign, which I only got to hear a little bit about. But hopefully I'll get to hear some more and can talk about that one. Um, All right. So but can, this you, one, can you describe what this game is? I'll put a link in the show notes. But, yeah, yeah. Uh, okay. So it's, it's a miniature. It's a miniatures game, or very much in the, the the looking like a Gloomhaven type thing, where you've got a tile you put on the board, and then you put your miniature on the board, okay. and there are bad guy miniatures that come and put on the board. And it has okay. cards that it does, uh, that and it has use, that, Oh my god! Use the so characters small. and art style from the uh, Lord of the Rings Living Card Game that we've. Is it? About Is it the same? Frequently. Okay, yeah. It's there. It's really the nice. art and. And the na- the characters, like I think you said, you were playing um, Barivor. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's a character that Nate French invented for the Living Card Game to give the Lord of the Rings uh, verse, well, Middle Earth, um, yeah. some actual named female characters beyond Arwen and Eowyn. Oh, cool! And Galadriel. Yeah, she's pretty great. Although she's the middle, like her stats are all threes. So, I mean, they're exactly the middle. Okay, so yeah. miniatures anyway, so game it, with a board game. is it like it's yep. like Gloomhaven, but Lord it's, of the it, Rings? No, not at all. I mean, okay. the the mechanics. I, you should go and I won't describe describe the mechanics, but it is cards that you have. There there is no dice, which is a good thing. It's basically the the random number generators pulling from your deck. It sounds then, exactly like Gloomhaven. I'm just gonna yes, kind kind of like stuff. Um, but, but to, to like, a to, a I know you're burned out on Gloomhaven. And so comparing something to Gloomhaven feels like I'm being derogatory, but I'm not, I'm saying no. like the format of miniatures on a board that you yes. pull cards to do things is Gloomhaven like, right? Gloomhaven like, sure. With sure. clearly some major differences. Right. But uh, I made a lot of, I guess a lot of major differences. Actually. Sure. One, one is that you don't really have a hand. There's no hand okay. to have. You just have the cards that are out that are like prepped, I guess, and equipped. And then you, let's say attack and combat is very basic. You, you know, if the thing says attack and this is an attack with strength, uh, your mm-hmm. character has a strength of three and you flip over three cards and each card, every card in the game in the top left hand corner has uh, a success icon, a failure icon, or just no icon. Hmm. And and so it says like this is melee combat. You attack the orcs with might two, so I have to. And, and I look at my strength, which is the might test. Flip and it says three. I flip over three cards, and I need two successes to win that. Okay, it sounds okay. a little bit like uh, the fate system of role sure. playing. Sure. 
so the, the it has it has um so that that's that's basically all the tests are like that most of this game is all tests test wisdom test strengths test whatever and you flip over those number cards you have to get so many successes based on that so this is kind of a, a card a deck building ish game you don't really get new cards during the game but you have your set deck and okay. and then so um and then you Do the as cards the, that you have so the cards you have are just out all the time no they are in a deck they, they, okay. and when you get when you get one that you all right let me let me go ahead and step back and just go ahead and straightforward say okay, how this we're, this we're works. getting into some i don't want to get too deep into it but i just i can overview this quickly okay um so you um first thing you do is you pick your character and mm-hmm. your character is there's six different characters uh, most of the major ones two of them that i think that really aren't um and that gives you a set of i think six cards that are mm-hmm flavored and made for that character okay what's the other female character uh, eleanor yes that's right eleanor eleanor is another one from the lcg right so i assume the other ones are like aragorn legolas gimli and bilbo bilbo yeah uh so you you pick your character and you get like six cards that are flavored and matches their kind of stuff if you so pick legolas those- if you're are picking Legolas, it's, they are their abilities. Yes, their abilities, and they like Legolas has a lot of ranged attacks, right? Obviously, when when Aragorn when Gimli has a lot of melee combat stuff. Okay, and those cards go out in front of you. They they go right into to it. They start making your deck. Then the next I thing see. you do is you pick your role, which is basically your class. Class. So they have okay. like Pathfinder, um, Hunter, Captain, Burglar. You know, and ranger? they kind of, kind of, they have like a ranger-ish type thing. No, they, don't, they really don't have a ranger. I guess wizard. They don't have a wizard. Uh, okay, you said burglar say, already, right? They said burglar. There's burglar path. I'll go around the table. Burglar pathfinder <laughs> champion guard or sorry, guardian uh, captain musician hunter, and then there's one we didn't use. That's interesting. Uh, That's that thing where you do. A lot of things very similar to D anD D, but everything is a different name. I know yeah. they're not; those are names from Lord of the Rings. Not they uh, are, and our and our first thought was that they are going to be very, very. They're just other names for these classes. Like, well, who's the cleric? Who's the who's the melee things? And actually, they're not. They're very are they are actually very much closer to the Lord of the Rings card game classes than than um, like D anD D because yeah, ca- because there's no. There's almost no magic in Middle Earth. So yeah, there's no magic, and you lose and, a lot of a lot of those analogies break. Right, down. and and this has like my Pathfinder has a lot of movement, and its mechanics built around movement. Makes and, sense. Yeah, and then the Captain has a lot of assisting support stuff for people. Sure, um, sort of so, Paladin-ish. Paladin-ish, I guess. Um, but so anyway, so you pick your role. That's next, and you get so like your character in your role. You get get the, those cards, and I think there's like three of those. You put those, mix that with your character thing, and okay. then you get five or six what's called basic cards. Everyone has the exact same basic sure. cards. Okay, so you basic take those like together. attack and move kind of the, stuff. That's not at all, but they're <laughs> okay. they're with things with the mechanics with the game. It's like get inspiration. Uh, block one damage. Oh, I see. I see. Move okay. three or something, something like that. You know, um, but they're very important and they're really cool. But you, you, so you take those, you mix them all, add a weakness, which is basically a card that does nothing, and just one of those, and that makes your deck. Mm-hmm. And so everyone's is their own deck. Okay, 
Okay. Then the first thing you do is you take two cards off, or you you take one of your um, designated uh, roll cards, like the roll you picked. Say I picked Pathfinder. You pick the, okay. the, the first, it's called, it has one at the bottom of it, the Pathfinder one card. And that becomes your automatically equipped card and it sits out in front of you. And that's an action or something you can always that, do. Yes. And, and, and it has words on it that affects. Like mine says, when you move, you can discard this card to move an extra one and then equip a, another random card. Uh, it's like your class passive ability. Yes. But, but it just gets discarded. When you use it. When you use it. Yeah. I see. Okay, and then so so that's that's what how you make your deck, and everyone has their own deck, and it's all very flavorful. Besides the basic cards, it's it's that kind of a thing. Um, and then you also are given items, which are determined by your um, your your role. So I have okay. like a staff and the traveling cloak, sure. and the bard has a harp and things, and they have specific things that that do spit like uh, the bard gives inspiration to people when he discards that card. And do those cards also go in your deck? They do not go in your deck. They are just items that are equipped and they, they always stay on. So they're out in front of you. They're out in front of you. Right. Um, and it's like a weapon. How okay. do you get cards? How do you play cards out of your deck? Okay. So at the end of every round, there's okay. there's three phases. One is the the players phase, then the monster phases, and then it's the cleanup phase. That's a little bit LCG ish. Except it, it is. There's so much. There's so many themes here. The, like from nine the phases that are in the LCG. Yeah, this is very very feel has good feeling of good in a good way. Yes, there's threat. There's shadow that happens. It's yeah. There's a lot mm -hmm. of stuff. Mm -hmm. Um. So you go through, at the end of the round in the cleanup phase. You have uh the the app which i i will talk about in a second will we tell you the app the app is amazing so you it, it will tell you to um it's called scout scout however many cards almost always it's scout two which means that you take you take your deck at the end of the round you take your discard pile and your deck and you reshuffle them all together okay every, every round and then you have your reshuffle deck and you take the top two cards you pick one to equip and the other one goes either on the top or bottom you get to pick okay so you get I wondered because you said there was no hand but then you have a deck i'm like how do you have a deck no. yeah okay. so, so you I get that one card now some classes have you can get cards that allow you to, to scout aragorn's special ability by your, your character sure. also has a, has a special ability on him that aragorn's specifically is when people scout you scout an extra card mm-hmm which is pretty great. You don't get a Does, you, you still get to keep one, but you get to look at three. Look at three. Okay. Right. So every round you have one action. Every round you have uh, two actions, and you can choose between three things: attack, travel, which is move. You move two mm -hmm. spaces, or search. And there's little icons on the board, and you can flip them over and see what what they what they are. Sure. That's that's the only three things you do. Attack, move, or search. Or it's called interact, I think, with whatever that is on the on there. Um, and then the monsters go and they, they attack. And it's, attacks are always kind of like, um, it'll say how many damage the orc does to you, say three. Mm -hmm. And then you test against, uh, it'll tell you like whatever your weapon is or whatever your test is. Say, say might. And you test three to might. And if I get, for every success, I take one less damage. Okay. 
So it's pretty so there's basic. a little bit of randomness where the in the LCG the damage is all flat. Right. But there like it's magic. it's there is a lot of randomness, but that's the real big meta of this game is that you you yes, you only have so many successes because we played on our first game, you have your basic deck. But as you as you if you win and however well you do during the game, you get kind of EXP and you can buy upgraded cards from the, mm. the box, like the bank. And sure. for, for I played Pathfinder this last time, and I can I got four experience points, and I can buy it's basically money that I can buy for a new card that costs four or less. Um, okay. And I and the neat thing about this game is that next time I play this game, while I still have to play uh, Barivor, I can pick a new class and get EXP in that in that class. You can just freely switch. Yes, you but can just, the X the XP is tied to the roll. Yes. So I got four EXP like, for, for my Pathfinder. But if I played a Burglar next time, I could maybe get three EXP, and it'll be, I'll have four EXP for, for Pathfinder mm-hmm. and three EXP for that. Um, a real catch part here is that there's only, let's say, six upgraded cards for the or class upgrade cards, and there's not duplicates. So if I pick Pathfinder and took the level two Pathfinder card, nobody else at the table can get that card even if they played that class. Interesting. Okay, so if you you played Pathfinder yesterday, if you play Captain next week, you still keep all the Pathfinder cards? I do. I keep the path, but I haven't bought any cuz I I can only afford one next week. I'll be able to But do you keep the it. base cards? I keep the base cards. I keep No, no, no. You do not keep the Pathfinder base cards. Those okay. those those go back away and I'll I'll have the the burglar cards. But if you get enough xp in pathfinder to buy a pathfinder card and then play captain you still have that pathfinder card that's correct the ones but I you're bought not always stay you're not dual classing though you're kind only, of or, i mean i still have like if i played if i played pathfinder and i got like a really there's one card that allows me to move and wherever i move i can take somebody with me but you're not like in each session you're only playing one role i'm playing one role and yeah. any of the previous cards that i purchased you bought cards from other classes okay so tell me about the app okay so the app is super cool anybody who's this is a game one of the things we've said about the living card game is there is a lot a lot of like admin or accounting Mm -hmm. like i've played it a couple times where i'm like oh i was supposed to do the thing have i been adding enough did i remember to add threat extra for last turn or whatever because there's like nine phases and there's all this yep, this, yep. i mean the more you play the more you you know get it's like anything but it's very very uh um non-beginner friendly in sure. that way but this game has a companion app which i know a lot of people on board game geek are angry about it existing well, this, which is ridiculous because this is something that hinders the purity of their gaming experience or Ugh. something like that but Th- this every needs to have it yeah every game that i play that's complicated like even the the lcg i'm like isn't there a companion app like i've got an app for legendary to generate me random uh scenarios mm-hmm. anything with complicated scoring or anything like that i'm like isn't there an app for this? Yeah. It's like and, One Night Werewolf. Right. You play Werewolf and, with an app instead of a narrator, and now everybody can play. Right. Now, so this 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 isn't just... I want to say it's important. something important about this app is that it's not just an addition like those. It's not just like, a, oh, this does just the maintenance. This right. is a key 
integral you part need, of the whole you game. You need it. Yeah. Yeah, you can't play this game with, without it. Um, I, I don't... First off, there's no monster stats in the book. Like, there's... Hmm. The, you don't know that an ogre has three attack and two armor. You know? Or... Okay. It, there's also no... There isn't any story or or maps like we're gonna so we're gonna talk about i'm gonna equate this to gloomhaven because this is where this is important so when you pick a scenario in gloomhaven it tells you the setup it shows you all of the the tile pieces you have to get and then what how you set all the monsters up you go get the monster tiles the monster cards the monster decks monster tiles have eight levels of difficulty yes a lot of the kind of stuff that when i first played gloomhaven i was like man they've really solved a lot of these, a lot of these things. Yeah, that, which uh, it's, really I'm not knocking Gloomhaven here, but but in this but... one, what you do is is uh, none of that is. You have nothing. You also never need to know any of that, which is mm. huge because when you play <laughs> Gloomhaven, you know that there are sprites and um, wolves in this room, right? And they, you know, that sprites have armor on them, and that they do three damage, and that they have twelve hit points. Okay, right, and right. you also know that that wolves attack this way, and you you generally know what you know what their cards do because you get a look at the cards, um, so you know what what to expect and how to formulate a strategy a strategy to go, to go with them. This game, sure. there's none of that. You have no idea, and it also <laughs> not only do you know you can't just figure it out because it also changes because the app right. makes it different. Okay, sure. So the app how the app goes is. Um, we fire up the app and it tracks, first off, it tracks our classes. We have to tell what, what characters we're playing, what classes we are. It tells us um, what items each of our, our characters can get. It says, here's okay. your items that you equip. Also, right. something I didn't mention that there's also, it gives you a pool of extra items, like three extra items that the group can, can divide. Fight over. Yes. Like, but you, you can only have one weapon. So whoever gets the dagger has to give up their other one. Um, so, but the, the app will tell you, here's the three and it's very intuitive. You swipe it and put it in over to a character and they equip it on the, on the app. And then you say, go. Right. Um, and then okay. it starts with a story, gives a nice story, which it talks and says the whole thing. Um, it's got, it's got uh voiceover. It does have for the initial, like go first story. It has voiceovers through the rest of it. It doesn't. Um, oh, okay. you, you, there's a you, lot of that in the. Uh, LCG app, which I bought on Steam. Oh, right. Well, it, it would be nice if they had it. We thought about it, but it does have music that plays through the whole time, which is kind of interesting. Hmm. Um, so you, it, it tells you the story, where you're at, and then it says, like, put down tile 200A there. You put it down, and it says, put ex- exploration token here, and put your characters here, and it shows you on the app. Right? Sure. Put them down. And then it says flavor text. You're walking into the woods one day after you walked out of the Shire, and it's a beautiful day. And you notice off in the mountains that there is, you know, off, there's a glint off in the mountains. Please put tile 43B right here. So it's actually role playing your setup. And then you put right the on. next, then you put the next tile and, and you know, and there's a cave that, that is, you've never seen before there. Put an exploration token here and it just tells you an exploration token. But because you read the flavor text, you know, it's a cave, hmm. which is important because this app, it's not just flavor text. It's important that you know kind of what you're going and what each one is, right? Like if I want to explore the cave, that's here. 
If I want to look for mountains in the trees, it's over here. Or, sorry, trees in the mountains. It's over here. Sure. Right? And th But they're just search stuff. So then it does your setup, and then, it's a, then you get to go. And you get to go start searching and looking for stuff. And it gives you the scenario. Like in this one, we had to go. Uh, there's been uh, thieves who have been uh, attacking the, the town and where you have to go find their trail. Right. You know, and we went and the, one of the, the like the third search token we found, there was a, an abandoned cave and there was two thugs there, like ogre thugs. And they kind of attack you and one runs away. And then it reveals some more of the map. Um, but it's so neat because when you fight something, um, you, it comes up and it gives you the ogres kind of stats. Oh, he's got five hit points and one armor, right? Mm -hmm. you, you don't know how much damage he does. You just know that's what he has to, to fight. And then you mm. fight him and then he attacks you and he says, this is what he does. You're like, oh my gosh. Again, you don't flip any cards. You don't roll any dice. It just does it for you. Yeah. Right. And it gives a little story as it's doing it. Um, which is very cool. Um, and then it, when you beat them or you succeed or you fail, it will tell you what to do. Okay, you failed. You're forced back to the Shire. Remove this tile. Do this thing. Put this back on there. And then it tells you why. It's like, oh, that's, that's very cool. Um, so you're very much following along very organically a story in every single one. Um, yeah. And we tried, like yeah, we tried to board game it because this is the kind of group we have. We try to be like, oh, it's going to make you go up here. And clearly it's going to put you on the other side of the map. And then we have to, we have to rush that, which just was the wrong thing. Because <laughs> in Gloomhaven, you can see the map, right? Oh, clearly this is going to be a thing. There's going to be guys coming out of that room or there's walls and doors there, mm -hmm. right? This, you have no idea. We, we were like, okay, uh, rush to the other side so we can search these before these guys kill us. Well, we rushed to their side, and along the way, it told us to open up a new thing, and then another side of the map doubled in size, and there's now other dudes with a castle over there you have to go do as well as this. And you're like, what? What? Do you guys uh, do you guys use the Gloomhaven app? Um, we did a little bit here and there so that we could try and not see some of that stuff, but you mm -hmm. still kind of have to because you still it says like get out a bear get out yeah the... you still know how many mobs they're going to be which is unfortunate but yeah one and of you the, know that there's the nice tiles things... like there's three treasure tiles there's a right right you know, there's you, traps you on this map unfortunate spoilers the one thing it does do is cover up the map and the and the flavor text until you get to that door and open it which helps you're like you get the suspense of like. Well, there's definitely going to be stuff in the room because it's Gloomhaven. There's stuff in every room. Guys, right. I mean, monsters. Right. Uh, but you don't know where they're going to be. If you're just going from the book, you know exactly where they're going to be. Right. At least one person does. Right. Well, so, yeah, the, the app help, helps us be really surprised at everything that happens. We really don't mm -hmm, know if we're succeeding. Mm -hmm. There's a, a, a huge threat mechanic, which is the timer to the game. Right. And at, at the end of every round, there is threat that's calculated. And it does say in the book how it's calculated. So, you know, like... You have to have expiration tiles. For every expiration tile, it adds a threat. For every monster, it adds a threat. So you know mm. how to manage that a little bit. Um, but it automatically adds threat to your thing. And you know at the beginning that if you get 65 threat on this map, you lose. Right? Okay. Uh, this is a cooperative game, too. So And this is those ones if one person dies, the whole thing fails. I see. So, so you can't just have, you know, oh, you die and then you're not doing anything. Um, right. But the... So yeah, you 
you see the threat going up and there's threat markers like thresholds i guess and you can see it you don't know what they are throughout the whole thing like you see one your little at the top of the screen there's a meter that goes from one to 65 and it shows you where you currently are and it says that the threat increases at like 16 right you just know 16 is a number and then okay. when it, it passes over it, it gives a flavor text like the, the night is coming on and you can hear some howling in the distances. <laughs> and then things change. Now the ogres have armor to them or now two of them spawn or we don't know the mechanics that make that happen. You so know? you guys, I assume you guys succeeded the scenario. Oh, but just barely by the skin of our teeth. Just barely. Like we were down to the end of the, the last threat marker. We had one more turn and we were going to overcap the threat. We just I've got enough heard points for the challenge. In the- in the review I read for this, uh, I heard that unlike Gloomhaven, where if you fail a scenario, you just do it again, which I think we failed maybe once mm. or twice. Um, this game, because the app can manage all the you know decision trees, possibilities, and all of that stuff, if you fail, you go on to some different mission. Which is cool, right? Like, yeah, I have, I have no way. We all have no idea how many missions there are, or it's like having consequences. A DM. Yeah, it's it is having a DM, um, and which is very exciting. It's and and we thought that when we first just listened to the how to play, we thought the mechanics were very kind of easy, and and as we start playing them, we loved and fell in love with the mechanics. Um, and with how simple it was, but still very got a lot of heady stuff that you can do. Not enough sure. for analysis paralysis because really you only have limited options, <laughs> but enough that you think like, oh, this is this is a cool card. I can appreciate this card now. Um, yeah, even the though it's AP just says is, move one. is for me probably the worst thing about Gloomhaven. Right, and this doesn't have a, a lot of that, I guess. Um, some of it, but not terribly much. So the uh, yeah, that's it has the the GM and there's just it's all that GM stuff behind the curtain. Um, if we knew what ogres hit points were, like we do in Gloomhaven, we know all the level. One. We can decide: are we going to play a level three or a level four? Because ogres now have four hit points and they have shield. Mm. You know, we have no idea, and right. the app can change them from scenario to scenario. You know, so yeah, none of that is is recognizable. So yeah, it's. It was very, it was one of those games that when we left at midnight, we immediately wanted to play again and are kept talking about all day today and got super excited about and still want to play again. So I am, I am very happy that I'm playing this game. The coolest part about all this is that I like this, like I I wanted to see what's next in the story. We went through this thing. We just got to where there's a camp and we discovered where this bandit camp is but there's clearly more going on here than we thought we snuck in and then it ended and we're like okay what's <laughs> gonna happen next and we had to do a lot to get there yeah um, you know and we knew the story getting there along the way um so yeah that was it was super super fun exciting worth the purchase it's going for like what 80 bucks 60 bucks 80 bucks yeah which seems like a lot but full retail for gloomhaven was like 150 so yeah it's right. really not it, it does not have does not have all the parts of Gloomhaven. Um, well, yeah, because they have offloaded a lot of that into the app. Right? I mean, that, that's what a perfect thing to do, you know. Uh, there's something also that Trotsky had mentioned that we're just going to see how it plays out. We played with almost all the miniatures in the box last night. Hmm. And 
there's not like all the other games like ooh, there's this big there, guy over here you know are there miniatures for the monsters yes there's miniatures for the monsters and we play with almost all of them hmm so it's and, and there's nothing like a big boss mob or a big thing that like ooh, i can't wait we fight that guy that'll that'll be in the expansion or yeah. as, oh yeah as yeah. andrew or justin would say the dlc the dlc this game is going to have dlc without question i mean without it would be a no-brainer not to put more missions and stories so eventually there'll be like cave trolls and uh Mumikil, uh elephants yeah for sure well the the uh the way that the the one dead give first off it's a fantasy flight game so of course um of course the uh it's actually a good thing right if fantasy flight holds true to form they'll put one out on regular schedules um I mean, they're still publishing the LCG, and yeah. it has a very small, dedicated following. Now, this one's going to take a little bit more work than I think Fantasy Flight's used to because they have to do app stuff, right? They have to have programmers. Well, they have Fantasy Flight Interactive now. Oh, true. So maybe that's... Right? They, they, did the, that. they did the app version of the LCG. I can only assume they're going to do more app versions of, uh, of a lot of things. Maybe the... S- third edition of um the game of thrones game will have an app we'll have an app well i i enjoy the app i it, they it, this wasn't just an extra add-on just to do the maintenance for you it's an integral part of it it's important it's also an important part of the experience that you just don't know and it's telling the story and you have to listen sure. to the things any other game i play these days with flavor text it's like okay but what how do we beat this room <laughs> you know th- this one was very much when we were searching for tracks as we went and searched the areas, you could look at them and it, and it told you a little bit of flavor text about the area. Mm-hmm. And this one was like, this one over here was a tree that had some apples. All right, this is probably where we can get some boons and benefits, but it's not a tracks thing. The other ones was like, you see some things in the mountains that may be where people have been. Okay, that sounds like track could be there, right? So if you right. if you pay attention to what things what's being said, it actually helps. Um, right on. Which is very cool. Yeah, lo- love it. I'm. I know we went into it a little bit more than I had hoped, but um, that's fine. I've been I'm, on the I'm fence about, about buying it because I bought Gloomhaven a year and a half ago. Um, what else expensive did I buy? I've spent a decent amount of money on Legendary, considering how seldom we play it. And I'm like, this game looks beautiful. I love the art in the LCG, and they use that same art in this game. Just um yeah they do it's it's it, uh, and it, you'll a, like you'll like the feel a of it pleasant it feels like, a pleasant yeah. change to see original commissioned lord of the rings art instead of just you know more photos of uh ian mckellen and vigo mortensen right yeah this this is this has got definitely got that lcg feel to it it's because it's fancy flight there and because i played lcg stuff i i get that like sure oh oh this is oh they're doing the same the shadow card or something like that it's like <laughs> it gets that kind of a thing i didn't say that because nobody else there would have known what i was talking about but i'm like this is just from like that they're just taking people who right. play this played that before um also yeah. the, and the, so i was hoping i was eagerly anticipating you guys playing this so that i could get a report yeah <laughs> i'm um, if Sid was here, I would consider actually, but I think you can play it single player too. So, um, that's a, a, a benefit. The, the expansion giveaway for me was that as I'm reading through things, I was reading all the cards to decide which ones I, what character I wanted to play. Sure. Gimli has a card that says, if you do this while next nearby a dwarf, you Another get dwarf. this benefit and there's no dwarf in the game besides him. 
So I'm like, ah, Fantasy Flight, I get you. I get you. You're going to have a Dwar- no Darrowdell like, expansion. Dwarrowdell. Dwarrowdell expansion. All right. Let's. Uh, we Sorry, got a little bit of time one. left. Yeah. No, it's good. I asked you for, and I kept interrupting you with <laughs> uh, comparisons that you didn't like. So yeah, um, sure. in the time we have left, let's talk about Artemis Bridge Simulator. Oh, we played that. Uh, you and I and our buddy Zahn played that. So, yep. We played that. Sunday. What was that? Monday, Sunday, Sunday. Sunday. Oh, yeah. Sunday, Sunday night. For Sunday uh, night games. Divinity Original Sin Two night, or video game night. Yeah, video game night. Because right. after finally getting five player Divinity Two working, we were, I think, generally all of us were like, uh, "This is not as fun as we hoped." Yeah, it would be. play. Move on to the next one, which is fine. We. I don't want to get into that any more than just that sure. statement. So we, so we downloaded Artemis. We. We bought tickets for the Gen Con event of this bridge simulator. At least mm-hmm. I bought tickets for myself and Fox and Chris and one or two of my brothers. I forget which tickets I was this able year to get, at Gen Con. This year at Gen Con, okay. and they're relatively expensive. And so I'm like, <laughs> each of those tickets was like three times what it cost me to buy this game. Yeah, I wonder Steam. why they're so expensive. I know it's the computers and they have to lug it around and all that stuff, but. I think that they built some kind of set. Oh, the set. Okay. Actual consoles and stuff. Okay. I, I've heard and seen videos of people who do that. And that, that would, I get that. That's justifying some money. I get it. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's like True Dungeon, right? You play True Dungeon to walk through a dungeon. Right. So, right. so this is like to play on a Star Trek. So game. this game, we've talked about this game. Well, not this specific game, but we've talked about this concept mm-hmm. from last year at the very disappointing, uh, I forget what the system was called bridge simulator that we played with the guys from klingon's dragons yeah and two years ago you and i did horizon which i think was the company because this system this app i don't even know what to really call it system is the best word felt a lot like that whatever it was we played two years well i i can I, i don't know for sure, with that one, I think that was the Horizon was thing. But I can tell you that the app we played on Sunday was the app that we played last year at the terrible thing. Because I played, I loaded up the engineer console, and that's the one I played. It has the exact, it's the exact same interface. Hmm. So like, because I, I diverted power exact same way. They're just s- sets of sliders. It was fun. I enjoyed it. Doing it, it wasn't a great game, but um, it's the same. That's the same one. Okay. Okay. So anyway, sta- these are stations like Star Trek stations. Your PC runs the engineer or the pilot or the mm-hmm. science officer. That's what, that's what we did. And we played. Um, we have some pretty decent computers, so we were able to play uh, like multi-screen and stuff like that at our own houses. I know on my left monitor over here, I had the actual outside view of the ship. And then on my yeah, so this is, a, this is a game designed to be played in a LAN setting. All together um, in the same room. You're supposed to have a projector or a TV or something that's the main view screen. And then everybody else has a screen that's their station. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have this game on iOS. I unfortunately was not able to... So I this means I bought it twice. Mm-hmm. But it was still like... The Steam version and the iOS version together was still less than $10. Right. Um, 
And this what is made I'd by hoped, one guy, by the way. One guy. Yeah. What yeah. what I had hoped to be able to do was show the main view screen on my computer screen and have my station controls on the iPad. Which would be uh, great. Th- there's a there's a version mismatch that didn't work out there. Right. But, right. Um, and we did not do that. We did this remotely because I am not in Bloomington. Mm-hmm. And, and so you and Zahn were both at home. So we were all at home just seeing our own screen. And you can tab back and forth between the main view screen and your yeah. controls. And you can man multiple consoles, which you did. Right. Um, yeah, yeah. So you were the only one that didn't, right? Because you, you, you played Pilot. I looked at the other roles, but um, none of them seemed to offer any advantage like anything actually useful well every station does have something to do all the time but i think that pilot is always going for the most part it it seemed that way yeah i mean most people are always i mean i even had off time down as i was primarily weapons engineer and communications officer and when i was just focusing on one i was definitely neglecting the other job because i remember i would go back to the communications thing oh i don't pay attention to that and then i missed a huge major you're like, Pardon. oh, we got we got 15 texts while I was shooting at those exactly, pilots. and and they were important to what we were supposed to do. Uh, yeah, the, I don't know. The, I think that the game is okay. I think that if we played it again with more people, it may be better. If we understood the missions better, it might be okay. But it was clearly a game made by one guy. That yeah, right, made by one guy. A lot of, um, it's let's just say that it's rough. Sure. And it's a and it's a very unique kind of thing. Like you can play it with a f- fewer number of people, but it really I think it really needs at least 4 people and ideally like 5 or maybe even 6. Right. Um because there are all these different stations just like Star Trek, although everything is very generic to mm-hmm. avoid uh IP violation. Right. But there's a there's a helmsman and a and a tactic tactical weapons uh yeah. station there's an engineering station there's a comms station um and a science officer and a science officer that does scans and so you do this kind of thing when we did it at gen con um uh we had a captain who didn't have a station at all his job was just to receive information and give instructions yeah um just like again on star trek um, Which would have been helpful. I think that was something that we did yeah, the, lack here. The pilot or the helmsman navigates the ship, aims and accelerates and decelerates. Uh, but everything that the pilot does uses power. So the engineer has to manage which how much power goes to what systems to try and conserve that. Which was a super important role. Like The pilot can see stuff, can see enemies and whatever that are close to you. But the science officer can see stuff further away. They can also lock on to targets and scan them to get specific information about their shields that can help the weapons officer choose the right um, modulation frequency weapons or frequencies or whatever. Yeah. To, oh, yeah. That was hugely helpful to make most efficient use of the weapons. And so it's this whole thing where you really have to be working together as a team toward this goal because you all have specific things you know and specific things you can do and and they they they've made, not made it just they put one extra thing for every station beyond what you just think like for the weapons officer right. you think just firing that's all you do so i don't do anything but they add one extra thing which is you have to manage reordering 
the missiles from the bases, the, the star bases that are around. So, like, if mm. I used my nukes, which I'm very limited on, I have to order new ones from a, a base, and then it takes a while for them to come. And I, I'm playing that game while everyone else is trying to do stuff. I'm managing my inventory of uh, weapons. Of weaponry. And, and then I'm also trying to rearm the the torpedo the proper torpedoes based on what the science officer is saying in the middle from the long range stuff and get my combat ready for the combat. So mm-hmm. you always have something else that they've done. The engineer, while we're out of when we're in combat, he's definitely doing some stuff. And then science officer same way he's heavy in combat and out of combat. So everything has one extra thing to do. You know, like the comms officer is important outside of combat, but during combat he's also can ask them to like uh, retreat or if they're going to give up and he can parlay with them while you, and he does diplomacy while you're fighting. Um, so it's, it's, I think for a game that one guy made, it's got a lot to it, but it's rough yeah. is the good word. He's still, they're still like, <laughs> it's not perfect. And you can't tell what you're supposed to always do next. Um, right. Missions are kind of fan made. Um, right. Yeah. And, I think, you know what, it's worth the seven bucks it costs to buy the thing. Oh, easily. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I do not feel bad about getting that. And I will happily play it again with, you know, more people. The The ideal experience is probably next time I'm in town, everybody gets it on their laptop. We go over to Pat's house, put the main screen on his projector. Or we can go to Trotsky's. Trotsky's at that one on the wall. Or on the projector would be good. Yeah, the part of the projector. Yeah. Yeah, it's the whole it's the whole wall. Yeah, and he's got like that little theater thing. Yeah, um, yeah. So, yeah, it's it's a fine game. It's, it's nothing it's that's fun. amazing. We'll, we'll try it again. Hopefully, we get Pete or Ben or somebody to join right. in with us. Right. Uh, so yeah, good. Not great. Good. Mm. But but this is you know this is something that should be picked up by some. I know that there's the Star Trek one on the PlayStation VR. I have heard that it is also rough and lacking. Hmm. Uh, but that's made by a bigger like a company instead of yeah because like it's actual star trek license so, so you would think that they could i don't have the vr i haven't i haven't right. seen that but. so you could i don't either so i, I wouldn't know this but i i've just seen videos and stuff but and read reviews but you'd think that this kind of thing would have been done and really hasn't you know it's a pretty specific thing right like it's and it's done at least the way that we've seen it so far, it really, it really, really works best in person. It does. And, and I, but you could, you could even do it with things like if you're doing Navy ships, right? Manning different stations. And yeah, I mean the, the Star Trek model of ships and combat is very naval. Yeah. Uh, submarine kind of. Yeah. I mean, you would think that this would be like they did with America's army, that the military commission at Jamaica, that they would do this for like, naval stations and stuff to do war games oh like like training stuff i'm sure that they do they have simulators and right which is kind of what this this is supposed to be about with spaceships you know yeah yeah cool game all right man work i think we're i think think we've we've covered it all we've covered we've covered just a bare amount of stuff we wanted to cover like last week again we're just we need a four-hour show seven hour no. show with with the one person that would listen to that so. yeah yeah nobody's gonna nobody's gonna listen <laughs> right to that. i mean uh, maybe maybe next week we'll talk about the steam world games because i played just a little bit of that oh, I love gun that. one i got the steam world to dig two which i, I love 
I've been playing a lot of uh, Diablo on the Switch. Yeah, I've been playing so. Dead Cells. We could talk some Dead Cells. So, I, hey, we're coming up, by the way, if anybody's going to start watching stuff, I, there's um, some movies coming out. I know Dark Phoenix is coming out pretty soon. Watching, going to watch some of the summer blockbusters will start rolling out. Right, right. So those, I'm going to start sitting in the theaters a little bit more. Andrew said he wanted to see the Godzilla movie. Have you seen Oh, that? yes. No, I got to see that. Yeah. I may watch that this weekend. I think I missed my window to see Detective Pikachu. That might be a... I think you did. Yeah. Wait for, wait for the rental. That's not terrible. You don't... I mean, I... I, my, I will... The only one of my family who's seen it is my youngest sister, and she said, yeah, it was just... It was okay. Yeah, you, you can... You can uh, I, I should always, when I talk about movies, I should always put a little caveat and say, is this a movie theater worthy movie? Because I think that's a an important thing to think about. You know, you're spending 10, 15 bucks on a ticket. Can you right. watch this one at home? And I think a is lot of movies. Is it a big flashy, can. like, like, is it worth, is it worth seeing like Pacific Rim? Yeah. Is it worth seeing at home? Like, right. no, not really. Right. Like or, if or you're going to watch it, you know, sound see it in the theater. And, or do you yeah. need to be immersed in this massive screen to get even if it's like even movies like get out or stuff like that you seeing them in a dark room on a big screen where you're fully immersed in there that's still worth seeing on a big thing sure as opposed to when you watch it on the small screen it's not quite if it's just like a small you know down to earth character story yeah something like stand by me and pikachu pikachu just does not have enough of the things there's maybe one scene in there that Hmm. is about a massive thing but you really you you could, you're not missing. You can watch that at home get, and you'll be okay. Get the that. story on a, yeah, on a smaller screen. You'll be fine. All right, man. Yeah. I think we're, we're good. I think we're good. Wrap we this up. We got them. You've been listening to the Front Porch. This is episode 93. Thanks as always to our friends at Geek Scholars Movie News. Uh, if you like movies, you can check them out. If you like Star Trek role-playing or Star Trek role-playing, you can check out our other show. We mentioned it a couple times tonight. Uh, Klingons and Dragons. Are we going to record that new one soon? Are we going to record a new one for? We're going to get um, some it's out the for our summer. Listeners? You know, everybody's busy. Every I think a week from today, I have a scheduled, but who knows what comes up between now and then. We we have. Are we caught up on on our uh, for the listeners out there for some new Klingon and Dragon stuff? Or do we have more in the in the the queue? New episodes came out last week. Okay, uh, I need to get another one edited before next week. Okay, so, we, so so there's still some that's, left, guys. That's, that's my weekend. We'll, we'll be making some more content for you. There, there might. Be. Oh yeah, I mean w- the the content that gets published is way behind us playing. Right, like the stuff I just published is like from September. Oh, okay, so it's, we're we're good. it's way back. You guys have plenty of stuff. Um, then you didn't hear that one time when I did that one thing. Oh God, that's every week. <laughs> If you enjoy the show, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Overcast, anywhere podcasts are found. Uh, I skipped the email. If you want to send us email, frontporchpod at gmail.com. We also have a website, frontporchpodcast.com. Those contact forms, show notes, I'll link that Lord of the Rings game we talked about, and I don't know. That's all we really talked about that's, uh, that's link-worthy. I'll, Art- maybe I'll, I'll, link, I'll link Artemis if people want to get that on Steam and can't spell Artemis to search for it. (laughs) Uh, Thanks as always for listening, and until next time, I'm Dennis. And I'm Michael. For Front Porch. Hi, everybody. Hi, everybody.